Thank you to A Yarn Story for sponsoring this episode of POMCAST. A Yarn Story is a beautiful wool boutique in the historic city of Bath, specialising in independent hand-dyed yarns. From the 1st to the 21st of April, A Yarn Story will be hosting a trunk show of all the samples from Pom Pom issue 12. You can try on all your favourite designs while browsing for the perfect yarn. Hello! And welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck and I'm here as I always am with Sophie Scott. Hi Sophie. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Good. Um, So we'll start this podcast. Maybe people haven't listened to the podcast before. Maybe. Uh, What kind of podcast would you say this is? A good one. A good one. Well, that's... that's A knitting one? A knitting one, yeah. We might be a bit biased, but I'm really excited to say we actually have a review on iTunes. Way. Hey. Um, so thank you to Hippie Nikki, as your name is on uh, in the internet. <laughs> maybe <laughs> alias. Maybe, yeah, your alias. Uh, but yeah, we had a really nice review from her saying, um, "This podcast reminds me of my friends. It's just like hanging out with people you know. Uh, they always it's funny, and they always have great guests on. That's kind of an edited version, and it's, it makes me feel a bit like uh, self conscious, saying like, "Oh, well, those people are great, and it's me." But that's really sweet, and thank you very much. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah, if you if you like us, tell iTunes. If you don't, um, let us know, and we'll change something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll do our best. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be whoever you want us to be. Uh, but yes, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, we've got our usual kind of setup of tell and tell. We tell each other and you guys about our knits. We've got news and reviews. Um, exciting interview with Clara Parks. Ooh. The yarn whisperer. She whispered some yarn right down the microphone for us <laughs> and to you. Um, also, we've got our Ravelry Realness, where we browse through Ravelry for our favourite knits and or topic. And we've also got a new feature, Travelling Stitches. Mm-hmm. And then finish off, we've got top three. Top three, always. All right, so let's start off with Tell and Tell. Uh, what have you been up to? What have you been knitting? Well, I finished my tambourine cardigan, nice. which I'm very, very pleased with. So I made it in the Uncommon Threads. Um, I think it's, yeah, Merino DK mm-hmm. in the colour confetti, as I said uh, last podcast, which is sort of light grey with little confetti splats in pink, purple, and, nice. not pink, pink and purple, pink, blue and yellow. I always think it's like the iridescent kind of edge of a bubble. Yes, you know it's kind of the mainly kind of like this translucently blue, and then you do have these little shimmers in it. Yes, very yes. nice. It's beautiful, and I was really pleased because I managed to finish the cardigan in time for Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Hey. More on that later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so the cardigan is done, and I hadn't seamed anything in a while. I okay. mean, it was just the set in sleeves, mm-hmm. so that was fun. Good. Well, you. I know <laughs> seaming for a lot of people it seems like a problem. <laughs> I can't say it's my favorite way to do things but I do like to have different cardigans which are different shapes and sit differently and sometimes you know seams are just the way to get a it cardigan. Seems to, be. To, seems to be the best way to you know to make a cardigan not have raglan for example. I'm I mean there's ha- lots of different ways of doing shaping but yeah. I'm wondering how long I can keep going with this pun. I mean it's seamy. <laughs> it seems to be a rich seam which I'm <laughs> mining. Very good, very good. Um, yeah, so that seems to be finished Aye. as a cardigan. And so I wore it and that went well. It was warm <laughs> and I liked it and other people seemed to like it also. Cool. So yeah, that was the that's the cover girl from the latest Pom Pom magazine. Is. It is, from uh, Pom Pom Spring. Nice. And so having finished that, I'm working on my Fairchild jumper by Bristol Ivy, which is from the winter issue. Nice. In some yarn I got from Unravel. Mm-hmm which we went to in February, as yeah. discussed on previous podcasts. And I got some John Arbin yarn, the viola in English mustard. Nice. A classic mustard. You do love the mustard yellow, so... <gasps> do I? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd just live in it if I could. So I'm making that live jumper. In a vat of just live in some... Ooh, Ooh spicy. No. <laughs> we both were like, that's funny. And then like, no. <laughs> no bad Too far with this crazy imagery. <laughs> um, that's been going... Uh, going well because of um, my excess knitting time on the trains nice. to and from Edinburgh. Yes, <laughs> as it is known to the local. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I've been working on Susu, which is Susu. Susu, which is a jumper by Nora Gorn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of my New Year's Knitolutions, which we talked mm-hmm. about on, I think it was podcast eight in January. Um, I was going to knit at least four jumper slash cardigans, and this fits in the category of 
spring slash wintery thing mm -hmm. because it's uh, quite a cropped. It's interesting shape in the fact that it's quite loose. It's very like positive ease. Yeah. So a lot of people kind of look at it and it's quite tenty, but it's all part of the elegant shape of it. Mm -hmm. That it's all quite loose and swingy, and you have quite fitted arms mm -hmm. on the design. So I think that balances out. If you have a you know, if you have your cropped, tight nature somewhere, you've got to have the loose flowing bit within a yeah. design to get the balance. Yeah. And this does it really well. Um, you know, because Nora, she knows her... Oh, she, she knows. She knows her cables. She knows her shapes. <laughs> um, yeah, really cool cables at the front. And it's like a, the main body's double moss stitch. It's like a panel of lace at the front. And it's got quite an interesting kind of curved front. So it's not like flat, straight. So that kind of adds to the whole texture and detail. And I'm really loving it. And after I've got past this, like, first cable repeat... I think I just like establish this kind of it's like rib within the cable. Nice. And I was sort of being like super nervousness at like every stitch, like I check the pattern and then like knit one stitch, like, oh wait, what am I doing now? And it no, oh, okay. And now I've kind of got over that first hurdle, it's like flowing beautifully and I'm like, Yes, it's great oh. and I kind of into the magic of the knitting now rather than <laughs> having to like really cautiously check a chart for every little thing. That's, That's good. good, it's going well. I and know. what yarn is it? So I'm using um Eden Cottage, Bolan DK in Hyssop, which is mm. really interesting, like kind of a little yellowy, but kind of jadey and a little bit bluey green. Really gorgeous. And I think because it's um, blue face luster, you kind of get the yellow luster of that yarn naturally coming mm -hmm. through. And uh, yeah, Eden Cottage, uh, Victoria who does it, she sort of, um, yeah, has these quite subtle kind of naturey inspired mm. colors. Mm, very good. I also started um, to knit a Delita shawl which okay. is um, from the autumn issue and the yeah, original... I'm loving those pom-pom patterns at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I've got a lot to catch up on because yeah. I like all the patterns in pom-pom. I just have only two hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's in the original, it's in like this beautiful single ply um, from Lioness Arts in this like amazing yellow, mustardy yeah. yellow. So that's the one um, that's kind of got that contrast edge of like almost like little jeweled. Yes. Kind of... And it's so yeah. I love that, and it's got like a double layered um, lace knit on edging, which mm -hmm. is really beautiful. So I've been wanting to make it forever, and I'm actually making it in quite a different yarn. I'm mm -hmm. holding two yarns double, two what? Shibui yarns. I know, say <laughs> what? Um, double trouble, <laughs> as it is known to everyone. Are you going to call your pattern on Ravelry that now? <laughs> definitely, okay. definitely. So it's the Shibui um, Seema, which is a merino and alpaca lace weight held double with Shibui again, mm -hmm. silk cloud. And they're in ever so slightly different shades. One mm -hmm. is kind of a grey and the other one's kind of like a brown grey. Ooh, so and, uh, slightly mild, kind of tweedy Slightly effect. mild, yeah. So it's going to be quite different to the original, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of exciting. It's mm -hmm. going to be like a lot fluffier and it's probably the wrong time of year to be knitting it really. Um, but, you know, let's be honest, we live in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> always be a point there'll always be a time when i need something to make me less chilly well, that sounds enormous fun well, and remember you guys can always keep us up to date and tell us about your knits and show and tell we just get to do tell and tell really on this podcast but you can do show and tell on the ravelry forum groups for the pom-pom magazine yeah uh there's a spring knit along now yeah cal as, as it's known, known. yeah mm -hmm. so um you know come and come and show us what stuff you're making from pom-pom and you can be in with the chance of winning prizes also what do knits mean? Prizes! <laughs> Alright, so news. Top exciting news is that Lydia and Pom Pom went to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Sure did. Tell me all about it, because I wasn't there. No, no, but you were in Paris. Uh, yeah, I was. Which is a different story. It's a different story. Uh, I was there in spirit. Yes, yes, you were. You were, in so many ways. Um, lots of you lovely listeners recognised my voice, which was a super fun experience, and um, it was really nice to meet you all. Unfortunately, Sophie's voice wasn't there to be recognised. I was there in spirit when I say that. The spirit is Instagram, so I was looking at, oh, look at that. I'd like to buy that. <laughs> yeah, it was um, just loads of fun. Like, even the train journey was fun, as I yeah. say. I got to do lots of knitting and beautiful scenery between um, London and Edinburgh, especially kind of through the kind of Newcastle area. Mm -hmm. There was lots of beautiful countryside. You could even see the sea at some points. Oh, wow. So that was very lovely. Um, and the show itself was obviously, you know, there were so many great people there and there were lots of dyers and, you know, various kind of teachers and general cool knit folk um, who I hadn't seen for a long time or whose yarn I hadn't seen for a long time. And there was, of course, Clara Parks, who is our interviewee. And what else? There, I got myself a really lovely little kind of... Um, 
tool pouch made out of old Harris tweed mm-hmm. by Woolen Flower. Yes. So that was pretty fab. What kind of vibe do you get at a festival like that? Because it's quite busy and big. It was very busy, yeah. So especially on the Saturday, it was very, very busy. Um, But the overall vibe was just really, really lovely. Everybody was really smiley. All the vendors, all the people visiting, even the organisers managed Mm. to be very present and very smiley the whole time, which was (laughs) really a feat unknown to anyone I think um and there was just a real kind of buzz about the whole occasion I think um it was really nice to do a show outside of the south of England yeah you know because obviously there are knitters all over the world and even you know all over the UK and it was nice to get out of our kind of little corner Mm -hmm. of the UK um yeah and so the vibe was kind of one of camaraderie you know everyone we're in it we're in it together and there was lots of um yeah, just lots of really nice people being nice to each other, for yeah. want of a better way of explaining Ooh. it. <laughs> Any standout memories from the trip? Uh, well, meeting Clara Parks was, of course, mm. a big pro. Um, Stephen West and Isolde had uh, a super cool stand with shawls all over it, which was pretty yeah. fun. And they do a great thing, or Isolde does a great thing, where she puts um, like brown paper up and pins her shawls to it and then kind of draws on that mm. brown paper, which I enjoyed very much at Unwind and I enjoyed very much this time as well. Mm. Um what else was fun? I accidentally bought Rachel Coopy's hair in yarn form. <laughs> so Rachel Coopy, yeah, we interviewed maybe the second or third podcast. Yeah, pretty early on. When we said like, oh, your hair's like a beautiful lavender and she's like, uh, blue rinse or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not that exotic. But yeah, she does have this wonderful like pony, my little pony yeah. coloured pale lavender hair. And when we last saw her though, she had several colours in it, didn't she? She had like a bit of light oh, yeah. blue and a bit of pink. Yeah, and yeah. So I quite literally did buy her hair in yarn form. <laughs> so that was good. That's um, a yarn name waiting to happen, Rachel Coopy's hair. <laughs> true it is um i was saying that somebody should do um colors based on adventure time characters yes just saying hashtag okay um <laughs> well no Stephen west definitely has his shawls like lumpy lumpy, space. lumpy space yeah well it was him i was talking we were talking ah, about it and i was like okay. somebody needs to do a adventure time themed yarn stuff Let's if you guys haven't watched there. adventure time yet it's basically the cartoons of a uh a little boy and his dog and it's just kind of slightly surreal and bizarre but great anyway that's anyway fun. that was a little segue um and the uh the cabaret cabaret on hey. the saturday evening was good with um knit sonic and co that was a that was a lovely event we had to make a sheep out of various um sort of sheep like sheep-esque items such as wool and pipe cleaners and we um, made a sheep which had little olives as little sheep droppings next to it. So we had black <laughs> olives on the table. And that went down quite well, I think. Um, was it that just was the stones? Or like the actual no, just because so, they were like those sort of ones that come out of, come out of a jar that don't have stones. Right, so it was right. just little black Cause olives. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like, mm, edible, and like, leave the stones. <laughs> That's far too conceptual. It's getting no. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so that was it. And there was, of course, the parallel... Um, festival that was held by Instagram through um, the lovely Anna Maltz and uh, Knitting Tastic. Anna yeah. Maltz, also known as Sweater Spotter, of uh, course. Knitting Tastic, also known as Rachel Atkinson. Exactly. So, yeah, we definitely mentioned that. So, a lot of people who couldn't make it to Edinburgh Yarn Festival, obviously, you might have just relived the experience through Lydia's words right now, but they uh, created the hashtag Bedinburgh Yarn Festival. Yep. So, stay at home, get in bed with your knitting, and Join in with the biggest international cyberspace-based uh, <laughs> festival in the world. The first yeah. ever, maybe. I don't yeah. know. And uh, there was a, a quite racy picture of Anna Motz in bed. Yeah, that kind of kicked it off with her, like, <laughs> half-naked in bed with her knitting, just surreptitiously placed in the correct place. Yeah. Like, Ooh, a little bit of bed head. Very saucy for yeah. the first thing in the morning, you know. But yeah, so that was really nice. You know, there were people who wanted to come so much that they just joined in with the festival spirit from their own homes mm-hmm. yes that was so. great and i was you know i felt very lucky to be able to be there amongst all the people mm-hmm. um and even got to see a little bit of edinburgh there you go but we jealous you couldn't join in with edinburgh Yarn festival. a little bit yeah well all right so let's move on to reviews aha uh-huh. so what we got to review today we have yes reviews are the natural bedfellows of news <laughs> as we know so what do we have we have some beautiful yarn uh sent to us by yarn story mm-hmm. a lovely um knitting shop in Bath, so check them out. Uh, I realised when we were doing this segment that we'd then have the opposing pronunciations of Bath without the whole Bath. place where you can... <laughs> Let's get out of that way, that's funny. <laughs> so yes, we've got the Shibui Knits Pebble. Uh, this is a interesting blend. It's 48% recital silk, 
36 fine merino and 16% cashmere. Ooh, oh, that's a big Luxurious. Mix. Luxurious, yes. So when you were first received this yarn, what did you think? I thought that yarn looks really, really nice. It <laughs> looks really like sort of fluffy and squishy, but kind of crispy mm-hmm. a little bit maybe. Okay. And uh, versatile. I have to admit, like, when we, because when we were sort of like looking which one should we do for this one, I was like, oh, let's do this. The mix sounds really interesting. And I have to admit that when I got it, I was a little underwhelmed. Well, because the ply is quite unusual, right? You, I mean, that the blend could be um, completely blended, right? Yeah. But instead it's, I'm assuming the merino and cashmere are together and then the, the silk seems to be plied separately. Does that sound about right? Yeah. It's I like- could be wrong, but there's definitely like... It's like quite tweedy because the, the two plies are different colours. Definitely. I would definitely describe it as tweedy. But yes. I think my initial thoughts on it was it looked a little stringy and I was a little uh, put off by that. But mm-hmm. guys, don't be put off. And it also kind of looks uh, quite delicate because it's a lace. Yeah. And it kind of, yeah, it looks a bit kind of flimsy and stringy. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, I want this yarn to be so much. But so we did a little bit of knitting up. And yeah, I think it's definitely one of those knit yarns you have to kind of knit to kind of uh, to really appreciate to really appreciate yeah because mm-hmm. it's sort of the the stringiness is, is sort of more of like a tensile strength it's much stronger than you think it is yeah um, and I guess it blooms doesn't it when you work with it the kind oh, of indeed. lovely fluffy yeah, yeah. merino-y cashmere aspects of it yeah. come into their own um, and it has a lot of projects we'll talk about later as well that um, have used this as a doubled Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a lace yarn, but you can sort of double it up for those uh, four-ply projects. Yes, and Shibui have a knack of making lots of yarns um, that can be used and combined in various ways, like in the way that I'm using for um, my Delita shawl, as I was saying mm-hmm. earlier. Um, there's a lot of They do a lot of different bases in quite similar or complementary colours, don't they, so that you can do a lot of playing around yeah, or yeah. just doubling it to make yeah. it thicker. And especially that's the, the colour we have is uh, poppy, which is like a very vibrant, like, well, poppy orange. Yeah. And they have the tonal kind of... Uh, colours sort of twisted in that mm-hmm. so um, yeah you get quite, quite an even tweed so it's very consistent the spin yeah so that's nice if you don't want anything too flecky yeah it's kind of like a nice kind of consistency to that yeah so another thing we always like to um, gauge our, okay that's good one. <laughs> gauging the yarn <laughs> is uh, the awesomeness of the colour names so very I've important. got some colour names here of the Shibui <gasps> And I was just wondering what you thought these names would colour would be. Okay, so I have to guess what shade they'll be based yeah, on the name. Exactly. Okay. They're not as abstract as maybe some yarn brands are, but mm-hmm. have a go. So graffiti, what kind of colour is that? Is it oh, um is it blue or purple maybe? It's purple, yeah, it's like yes. a purpley, dark purple colour. Nice. Yeah, interesting. Did you know this? I feel like I've come across graffiti oh, well, in Shibui. I thought this was going to be a really good segment where you didn't know. And okay, people, well, what about the other colours? People I don't play know along at home. <laughs> Alright, what about spore? Okay, that I definitely don't know. Spore. Okay, what would I imagine a spore to look like? Oh, green of some kind? Yeah, it's like a mossy green. Cool. Um, what is another good one? Abyss. Black. Yeah. <laughs> Into the abyss. And it's not going to be like a bright pink abyss, is it, really? No. Um, so yeah, most of the the yarn names. Well, yeah, you got you got most of them. I guess so you, we do they get good marks for yarn name accuracy? They get top marks for yarn name accuracy. Good. I think you just illustrated how. Uh, but I think creativity pretty good. I mean, there aren't many. You don't come across many yarns that have a name like spore. Yeah. Or abyss. Oh, what's sidewalk actually? What you probably know? Oh, crikey. Um. I mean, grey. It's actually kind of more of a cream than this picture. I mean. Unless Ravelry's lying to me. <laughs> no, it never lies. Um, yeah, so, yeah, accuracy, they get top marks. For mm-hmm. off-the-wall off creativity, well, maybe less so, but we'll let them off because the, the, the wool's very Because the yarn is very, very nice. Yeah, yeah so um, there's all sorts of things you can use this for as well because it has the um, properties of being very lovely single mm-hmm. or being used double. Yeah. I think one of the things to say, it's not very springy, which is what you often find with more wool-based blends. So maybe this is like a good transition yarn if you haven't tried knitting with anything of a mix. Ah, I think mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. Because, yeah. yeah, it kind of is a bit more flat. So maybe for more kind of summery, shapey things that you don't want to have, like, you don't need the negative ease or anything like that. Mm, okay. Ah. Yeah. And it, um, it's worth pointing out that Bristol Ivy actually t- chose this yarn for her Desert Island yarn. Yeah. Or as one of her. I think we let her have two, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, because of the time zones. <laughs> <laughs> so she chose it as one. And there's no real um, 
higher praise than yeah, having somebody like Bristol Ivy choose it as their desert island yarn. <laughs> so what would you knit with this yarn? Well, uh, Julie Hoover has two awesome patterns that are made in pebble, one of which is called um, Heart, which is a kind of long, open cardigan, mm-hmm. like a good cardigan. Yeah. And I can imagine this being, yeah, like you say, quite a good transition yarn because it would be like nice, lovely and warm, but the silk gives it that kind of lightness. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, coal, spelled C-O-H-L-E, which is a polar neck, yeah. um, which would be really lovely. And I think also that it would work really well for the shawl pattern that we had in our spring issue called Blomand, mm-hmm. which is a kind of um, triangular shawl that's got lovely lace kind of on one end of the triangle. It's like kind of like greeny, jadey colour, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. So the original was in Anzula Haiku, which is actually, I think, wool and bamboo. Mm-hmm. And so it's quite, this is a, this is thinner. So yeah. you'd have to kind of make sure you're getting gauge and stuff. Yeah. But you'd get a kind of, or, or you could double it. Yeah. But I think it'd be quite nice to try it in lace. Um, and you'd get just, yeah, that more kind of open work mm-hmm. would come through. And actually the halo of the yarn might kind of fill the gaps a little bit anyway. Yeah. Um, awesome. So yeah, that's one to try, and uh, that was that's of course from um, Yarn Story, who are sponsoring this podcast. So thank you, Yarn Story, for Hooray. sending us this skein to review, and yeah, we fully recommend giving it a go. Very well-known and well-respected and wonderful Clara Parks, who is the creator of The Knitter's Review, which is, you know, everyone's kind of go-to place to find fun reviews about knitting-related things, mostly yarn, um, but includes many other things, Um, who is also the writer of several wonderful books such as The Knitter's Book of Wool and The Yarn Whisperer. Um, The Yarn Whisperer. Whisperer. So, um, so here she is. I learned to knit when I was 13 years old. It was a very snowy Christmas in Maine, and my beloved grandma taught me. Do a lot of people in your family knit? Is it kind of a knitting family, or? No, not at all. My grandma was the only expert knitter, seamstress, kind of all-around maker. And then my mother is a musician, and she just completely rejected knitting. She tried and failed, and now that I've gotten into it, she keeps saying, well, maybe I should give it a try again. But she's very, um, she needs to be on the move a lot. I'll just, I'll say, because okay. in case she's listening. And so it would probably not be a good idea for her to, to do knitting. Everybody has their specialty, right? Exactly. Yes. What was the first thing you made? The first thing I made was um, a, a scarf, is I guess technically what you could call it. It was kind of a rectangle. Mm-hmm. I think I started with 20 stitches and then it became 22 and then 26 and then back down to like 14. Um, but it taught me exactly what I needed to know. It was just garter stitch knitting every single row, and I was so hooked on the movement, um, just the, the, the motion again and again and again that I couldn't stop. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something very lovely about the muscle memory that you develop as well. And um, so did you kind of knit steadily then up until you started the Knitter's Review, or was it a kind of on and off thing? Um, it was on and off. I grew up, my high school years, after I learned to knit, I lived in a very, very hot climate in southern Arizona. And I can't, I can't convert the temperatures, so I'll just say really hot. And I didn't even own a proper pair of wool socks until after college. Mm-hmm. Right? I was living in France and my feet were cold and I was wondering why. Like, well, because you're wearing these little cotton socks. <laughs> um, so I kind of picked up knitting on and off. In college, it was a coping mechanism. Even though I, it, I'm process, not product knitter, so the whole time in college I was working on the same blue sweater. Mm-hmm. Very proud to report that it has been seamed. Uh, it's not completely done yet, though. The neck still needs to be finished. Um, and then I, you know, you come and go with it, but then I was working in California, Northern California, in high-tech publishing, mm-hmm. and kind of going further and further away from where I felt that my soul was. Mm-hmm. And I remembered knitting and how it made me feel, and I just fell head over heels back into it. And that kind of prompted the inspiration to move to Maine, which is a slower place. It's quieter and gentler, and it's a really good wool culture. And once I moved to Maine, kind of the logic of Knitter's Review fell in place, 
and here we are 15 years later. Yeah, so obviously the, the Nishes Review is kind of a really important touchstone for everybody who works in the industry. You know, it's you have a real knack for finding things that are really lovely and interesting and kind of bring them to people's attention and everybody kind of trusts your, your judgment when it comes to knitting stuff. So um, could you tell us a little bit more about how you started the Knitters Review? Um, oh, well, thank you. That's very sweet. <laughs> I'm honoured. I try. Um, how I started it was I, I was longing to do something with my love of knitting, but I'm not a skilled designer. There are so many more just geniuses out there. Yeah. And, and I, for me, it's really always been about the yarn. And what drew me to knitting in the first place was the basket of yarn that my grandma had by her chair by the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know how to make that go. What, how do you... And so... Um, a friend was working on something sort of similar for quilters Mm -hmm. and he mentioned well it's going to be product reviews and it suddenly clicked that oh my god I there could be a place for writing about yarn Mm -hmm. and there was no industry for it no market for it whatsoever no outlet at all but I just felt like I'm really passionate about this and it was at a time when people were starting to buy yarn online and there were no descriptions of anything except, you know, this luscious, wonderfully soft, beautiful, beautiful, buy now. And then you get this box in the mail and you'd open it up and like, this is not at all what I was expecting. And why isn't it the way I was expecting it? Why does it feel this way? And I was expecting a halo, but it's not really a halo. It's more... Anyway, so I got passionate about trying to answer those questions and learn as much as I could about yarn and tell its story because there's so much of a story in yarn and I'm excited to see especially at this event that everybody is they're really really getting uh, more in tune with that and there's so many more stories out there so it's it's lovely and very exciting speaking of stories you obviously have been working on yarn as we as we know and Amy who I work with won won your yarn last night at the uh, the raffle oh no way (laughs) And she is so, so happy about it. (laughs) And we've all had a look and it's very, very beautiful. So um, if you could tell us a bit more about the kind of story behind the creation of your own yarn, that would be lovely. Well, um, Clara Yarn, it was an offshoot of, um, I don't know, a kind of a lingering feeling that I'd had over the years, maybe by year 12. I was afraid of being that restaurant critic who doesn't know how to boil an egg you know what I mean but they're so pompous about everybody else's boiled eggs so there was the part partly that I, I wanted to understand and appreciate and value more about the true challenges that go into making a good skein of yarn because I know what I like and I know what I want and I look for but I don't know the challenges that people face in trying to create that exact product and I didn't feel like it was really fair to critique other products if I couldn't fully appreciate what went into bringing it to market and then it was also a a factor of um, wanting to work with and support and raise awareness of people I've met along my own journey who the people in this industry they work so hard and they're such interesting people and people who work with wool the mill workers and the fiber merchants they're so passionate and they're just they're, if you start to ask them questions they will just spill they're, they nobody asks them questions nobody wants to know and they're eager to have their story told so uh, and I realized there wasn't really a way that I could do that within Knitter's Review. So I, first I started with my Great White Bale project, <laughs> where I bought a 676-pound bale of scoured uh, Saxon Superfine Merino. And we followed it around the country, making different yarns out of it. And I realized when that was finished that I, I wanted to continue and I wanted to broaden it and try other things and make it more accessible to people. But it's really about... Um, shining a light on as many people and places as I can to help raise awareness and like lift the waters for everybody in the industry. So Clara Yarn exists, and it's just kind of my adventure. And when I find things and I work to create like with the right person and finding the right mill and really creating something I feel very, very proud of, then bringing it to people it's kind of a pop-up shop and then when it's gone it's gone and we go back into our bunker <laughs> and plan for the next wool assault so that's that's where it is and it will continue to go as long as the story is out there and it needs to be told hopefully i'll have the pleasure of having some of it one day but for the time being 
I'm happy to be in the presence of Amy Skane <laughs> quite frequently. <laughs> so the next question is one that we ask everyone, and I think it's probably, um, you probably just kind of answered it already by accident, but I don't know if you're aware of Desert Island Discs, which is a kind of BBC, it's a show that's been around for a very long time where people have to choose certain songs to listen to on a desert island. But what we've done is Desert Island Yarn. So the question is, if you could just take one yarn with you to a desert island, you can have it in all the colours, but you're just allowed the one yarn, um, what would it be? Oh, you're really cruel. <laughs> I can't take two. I can't smuggle one down my shirt. Um, well, I'll give you two, if that, if that helps. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Oh, because, well, one, it would be like for the deep spiritual sadness, it would have to be, and I don't know what... Um, if it's even still out or if your listeners know about it Handmaiden Swiss Mountain Cashmere Silk and it's spun at a water-powered spinning mill in the Swiss Alps I mean it's just you know angels sing the fibers are perfectly perfectly blended and it just you touch it with your fingers and it's like a prayer it just it feels exquisite and that's I actually have a little swatch of it in my bag I call it my comfort swatch or my in case of turbulence if I'm on an airplane and I get you can pull out the swatch and just touch it um, but that's not fair because that's a very languid and silky and kind of luxurious and sort of a pouty, you know, the beautiful girl kind of a yarn. But then the spunky redhead next door, who's always there for you, like the whole grain bread. Um, I don't even know. I would have to say something like Jameson's, if I could bring every color. <laughs> I've bulked the system. Bulked the system? I don't know. I've, I've tweaked the system. That, 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 it would have to be something like that. It yeah. just, it lives on your fingers. It lives in the needles. And it just bakes into a wonderful cohesive fabric and keeps you warm. Something like that for every day. That would have to be, yes, my yeah. desert island. <laughs> well, that, that's good. You've got, you've got like, all your bases covered. And with the Jamesons, what, have they got, like, 90 colours or something? So, <laughs> But that's fine. You are allowed all the colours. So we'll, when we ship you off to your desert island, you'll be there with all your yarn. Actually, when they do desert island discs, they always ask people, so how do you feel like you'll fare on your island, you know, with your, with your things that you're allowed to take with you? And, and you seem like quite a kind of meditative person in many ways. How do you think you would fare on your island with just your knitting? Oh, I think I would fare very well. I live, I spend most of my time in a town of 900 okay. and there's spotty internet access. And part of the time I'm a mile down a dirt road with no electricity and no cell signal, no nothing. So I think I would do very well, especially if I had a good book mm -hmm. and if I had paper and a pen and an extra bottle of ink and copious amounts of tea. I don't think there would be much of a problem. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Can we go there? Can we go there, please? I know, right, one day. <laughs> and um, the other question that we ask everyone is, um, what's your spirit animal and why? Oh my God, my spirit animal. Oh, my spirit animal, geez. I, this is a completely wrong thing to say and it's it's too mainstream and stereotypical but the first thing that came to mind was grumpy cat <laughs> or just one of those dogs with the really sad smooshy smooshy face and <laughs> it breathes like that you know that just because nothing can ever be tragic when you're around an animal like that <laughs> okay great so we'll take that <laughs> so based on all your kind of experience at the moment within you know making your own yarn and you know being so involved in the kind of yarn and knitting community what would be your kind of tips for people when they're looking for yarns or when they're wanting to buy yarns I would say uh, coming to an event like this where you can look people in the eye and start them in conversation uh, I mean there was a man in one of these booths and I started talking with him and he held up a skein and he told me the exact farm where the wool came from and where it had been spun like, it, and I had no idea. I thought it was just kind of a touristy shop with patterns for shawls. But like, no, no, no. He knows the complete lineage, mm -hmm. and and without that ingredient, you might discount certain yarns. And I guess I would also say, um, knowing what other people are doing and what other people are knitting with is that's always an interesting barometer. But don't let that be your only kind of weather vane for picking your yarns because everybody your your fingers are unique and and if you let your fingers be your guide and your intuition and that goes if you're buying things like cashmere especially where sometimes it's cashmere sometimes maybe some other things have been added to it using your letting your own instinct and intuition that you've developed over years of working with yarn and touching it 
really trust that, trust that voice, and it won't, it won't lead you wrong. And um, consider everything that you buy, you're investing in wool futures. So it's a good investment. <laughs> so I'll be using those tips. So you're just in Edinburgh for really a few days. And is this your first time in Scotland? This is my first time in Scotland, and it is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I met with Zolda my first morning, and she was, I just kept stopping her to take pictures and take pictures, and she said, so, oh, Clara, you're not even in the pretty part of town yet. I've taken, it's, it's beautiful, and the people are lovely and the the color and the landscape and the way the light hits the buildings it's it's wonderfully moody i can see where you could get some really grim mystery novels out of it and and that the people are just lovely lovely yeah i'm having a similar experience <laughs> this is my first time in edinburgh and uh, i've seen most of it at night you know having been at the show but even at night time it's really it's really quite something and um, so it sounds like you're a tea drinker anyway so how's how's the tea here Oh my God! It's so I, I did, right away from uh, even and you're, you, you guys are probably going to laugh at me, but even in the hotels in the U.S., you go to a hotel and they have these crappy old coffee makers where any water that comes out tastes like coffee and it's lukewarm, and they might have a bag of chamomile and a bag of Earl Grey that was that's been there since like 1984. <laughs> Uh, but here, I mean, uh, and I know it's not unique, but still, let me gush. There's a kettle, and there's there's tea and little cups, and there's there's milk, not artificial milk or half and half, but like actual milk from a cow, um, and and just even in restaurants, the flavor of of a pot of English breakfast, it, it's it's floral and delicious. I, <laughs> yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. <laughs> Could you just tell us kind of what a, a typical day for Clara Parks is like? <laughs> um, a typical day for Clara Parks, if we're talking in the... There are two two ways to it, and this is going to sound a lot more posh than it actually is. <laughs> but um, I spend part of my weeks... In the wintertime, I'm, I'm down in Portland, Maine, a giant city of about 35,000 people. <laughs> the peripheral area has more, but it's, it's a lovely coastal town, huge wool culture. I live in this triangle, Mary Jane Mucklestone, um, Pam Allen lives right down the street, like within two blocks of me. Um, Bristol Ivy lives across, like I could throw skeins. We've done skein exchanges in the street at night. Like, is that you? Psst. Yeah, here. Um, so when I'm there, I would get up very early and have tea and maybe toast and a grapefruit. And then I start, I say goodbye to my beloved for the day. Um, and I will take a long walk down to my coffee place because if I don't have a destination, I'm not really interested in walking. <laughs> I'm not one of those, la-di-da, I'm going to go stroll in the country now. <laughs> Unless there's sugar and caffeine at the end. of. So I walked through the downtown, and, and it's just that wonderful daily ritual of seeing all the same people and the same crazy guy. And I love these people. Um, and then I go and I have my, there I have coffee, a cappuccino, in the place where everybody knows me. And they, you know, hey, how you doing today? And I work there for several hours until my laptop battery dies, which is sort of the, like, time to go home. And then I'll walk back up the hill and I'll stop somewhere for lunch or go home and have my lunch. And then the afternoon is usually reading and swatching time just to be with yarn and not look at a computer at all. And then um, I, my partner and I are both big cooks. And so depending on who had to, the harder day, I'll just start making something. It's just fun. It's pleasant. Yeah. And um, dinner and then... You know, it being Maine, usually it's like by 8.30, like, well, I guess I better run the tub. <laughs> time for bed. Um, and that's a typical day in the wintertime. In the summertime, you would just substitute country and a porch looking out over acres of blueberry fields and a pond in the distance. And and if friends are around who have a boat, they might come and ask me to go sailing in the afternoon. So that replaces the knitting and reading. Um, and then if it's a rainy day, there has to be cake there has to be cake. That's kind of my spiritual, you know, when you feel pressure in life, you just like got to put the computer away, put the paper away and soften some butter and start making a cake. And everything straightens itself out. It's true. It does. By the time the cake is done and it's, you've taken it out of the oven, whatever has troubled you has had time to just rest. Mm -hmm. um, and do you have a knit on the boat when you go boating in the afternoons? 
No, well, the boat that I love to go on, I have uh, some friends, Don and Robert, and he, Don taught me how to sail, and he's in his late 80s, and just a lovely, lovely man. But he's very, the rule on, on sailboats is kind of you follow the captain, no matter what. You do not question. And this is interesting because I went sailing with Stephanie Pearl McPhee and her husband, and it was fascinating to watch her grapple with that rule. <laughs> I think she would agree. But no, it was very good. She, um, and so he's very, he gets grumpy even if you take out a camera to take pictures. He's very much, he's very zen, like be here, be in the moment. You're watching the sails, you're watching the wind, you're constantly looking for gusts, and you're, you're you know, switching the sails to get the optimal movement of the boat mm -hmm. and so within that context knitting would be not appropriate however if I were out on a schooner for a couple days just saying maybe that would be lovely actually and more appropriate so <laughs> yeah there aren't that many places where it's inappropriate to knit anymore I guess <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> if um if people want to kind of find you online where should they go Oh boy, where can you get? Let's see. Um, I, I'm kind of everywhere. I'm loving Instagram right now. I'm Clara Parks on Instagram. I'm Clara Parks on Twitter. I'm Clara Parks on Facebook. Um, AlwaysKnittersReview.com. That's my home. And then the Clara Yarn is on. It's at ClaraYarn.com. And that's kind of whenever it pops up, but I usually leave hints in other places. And I'd love to find you any of those places. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you. So, um, so goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. She was brilliant. And yeah, so thanks to her again for, for taking the time to chat to us at such a busy festival. I know, because I kind of caught up with everyone on Instagram. You know, that was my <laughs> version of it. <laughs> Inst Instabra. Instabra, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, everyone seemed everywhere and more so her. So yeah, you managed to grab her for an interview. That's great. I did. Yes, <laughs> thanks again, Clara. Wonderful. Okay, so on to Ravelry Realness. Um, the realest place there is for yeah. Ravelry. <laughs> <laughs> on the Rav, uh, we have... Uh, springtime knits. Mm -hmm. So we are moving to slightly warmer weather. We do talk about the weather a lot on this podcast. We're British. We're British, so knit <laughs> knitting and weather. Um, I did tell someone about a podcast I did, and they were like, what is it? And I was like, a knitting podcast. And they were like, there's knitting podcast? And their mind blew into a different hairdo. They were so <laughs> amazed. And I said, yes. And I talk about knitting. Go host. Anyway, so this week we're talking about springtime knits. Yes, we are. Lydia, what yes. would you choose for the spring to knit? Well, I would choose the water lily, which is from spring, unsurprisingly, spring yeah. 2014, Pom Pom, the Megan Fernandez. Well, I feel like we talk about this thing a lot. Well, I've does, made one, for example. It gets a lot of love on Ravelry. It's a classic T-shaped shaped tea yes um i put all the words in the same <laughs> to, to explain that and at the top it has this great little lace pattern so mm -hmm. it is a very versatile it's, and lovely it's lovely and it's great because it takes you know just two skeins of yarn and there's so many beautiful um water lilies all over ravelry so i'll have to find maybe try and find a few of those for the blog post you can put them in together for like some sort of monet impressionist yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'd say that that's a that's a strong contender for a spring knit how Definitely. about you well, I found this shawl, which mainly I fell in love with because the name is so great. It's called Mr. Pinkerson <laughs> by Casa Pinker. Um, and it's a very open lace, like not lacy, but kind of very open knit uh, shawl. And it has a great kind of chromatic gradient mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I thought you'd love it was the yarn that's used is called Lydia Sock Gradient. Mm. Your time that's has my favourite. They named the yarn after you, finally. <laughs> All this time I've been waiting and waiting. So yeah, that's a really nice kind of light summery shawl. Mm -hmm. And I like the colour changes because I think spring can be that time where you're like, if you put like, well, I don't know about you, but I kind of like, yes, dark clothes, dark big coat, I will sleep in this. And then when spring comes, you're like, I remember what colour looked like. I remembered pastels. <laughs> open to that, like a big blooming flower. So... Yes, yes, this is good. 
Um, what else you get? April shower mittens by Kat Lewinsky. Now these are a free pattern, which of course makes it all the more delightful. Um, they are little mitten patterns, because even though we're saying about spring, you know, you're gonna need those days. It's like warmer in that it's not really, really cold. Yeah. For Britain. For Britain. <laughs> um, and the great thing is they have a little uh, umbrella, like a little brolly design on the back of the mitts, and then you use you beads. You stand under my umbrella. <laughs> exactly. Little beads, uh, sorry. Little, well, it got really awkward there because I don't really like that song. <laughs> I was like, hey, yeah. Oh. I like it. All right, and I know a lot of this, a lot of the world does. Anyway, the beads. Back anyway, to the beads. Anyway, back to the beads. Back to a neutral territory. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you have uh, your little um, brolly to catch your rain, mm-hmm. and then there's little beads within the mitt, which is your little sparkly drops of rain. Oh. So that's really, really cute. It's pretty special. Yeah, I like it. Um, I also am a big fan of the Bunty Mitts by Ella Austin, which are fingerless gloves, colour work with little kind of flower motif on them. Right, so when I think of Bunty, I think of that like 70s magazine. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, so, and I think the design is quite 70s. It is quite 70s, flowers, and yeah. the colours are very 70s, aren't they? Yeah. Like, it's a. Uh, I didn't even make that connection. Well. Sophie has smart brain. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm so old. I've travelled through many centuries to be here. I remember the 70s well. What <laughs> kind of person I have the references to the 70s schedule? Oh, yeah, well, remember that magazine. Um, another lovely one. So, Bristol Ivy, she's getting a lot of airtime. She is. We just have these dips of themes of people come in and we out. Do. And then also, because knitting is a community where everyone ends up doing it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a lovely top in Quince & Co. Sparrow, their linen yarn, which is called Emmeline, and it's like a classic tea mm-hmm. t-shirt shape, which I think is a good, versatile knit uh, shape. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of mainly it's kind of stocking stitch with then like a little garter stitch kind of detail within that. Like every other row, there'll be like the reverse. Nice. And at the bottom, it's, at the very bottom of the t-shirt, it's that lace detail. And I think that maybe would be a little bit too summery for now. But hey, if you start now, guys, this is my top tip. Yeah. Be ready for when it's too hot. Awesome. Yeah. I also am plotting to make uh, Mysa, which is from the new spring issue, mm-hmm. um, Pom Pom 2015. And it's in two different fibre company yarns. Yeah. Meadow and Savannah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And amazing textures. Yeah, so you kind of get the contrast between the two and it's got really interesting construction. It's by Kate Gagnon-Osborne. Um, and, yeah, that's a really good kind of springy transition knit. And that's all our Ravelry realness. Because Ravelry is what? Fundamental. Fundamental. <laughs> segment which we have now dubbed traveling stitches mm. which is all about um stories of traveling with your knits would you say yes i think that's exactly traveling with your <laughs> stitches almost <laughs> yeah, almost as if your stitches are traveling with you not only within the knitting of traveling from one place to another i hope you haven't lost you here with this concept but then I'm also confused. yeah <laughs> anyway guys you know what it is. you know what we you know what we're saying so we uh, started off with a few tales of our own mm-hmm. um, last podcast and we have had some excellent responses on our Ravelry group um, to which you can always send us exciting ideas and anecdotes. We always love to hear from you guys, but we have some uh, very good travelling stitches contributions such as Sally Ravels. Uh, I really like her um, little picture. She had a picture as well. So like top marks for tell and show. Uh-huh. Show and tell as it's even known. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was knitting at a kid's birthday party and there was nowhere to sit down. So she made herself like a little knitting pouchy tool with her bike, uh, no, sorry, her water bottle. So she had a yarn in there, a nice. water bottle holder even, sorry. Uh, and then she yes. was knitting, you can see the picture, that's going to paint a thousand yeah. words for you guys. <laughs> so she was using that to hold her yarn and then she was knitting away. And the awesome Diana Waller pointed out that the purpose of tools like the gilly hook, which is a super fun word. We need word. more words like that. We need more words yeah. like gilly, gilly hook, it's true. Um, it's a kind of little very simple kind of little bit of metal basically that is a contraption which allows you to kind of hook your yarn to your clothes or belt so that your hands are free to just knit while you're while you're hanging out so thanks for that diana so we also had knitosaurus rex who uh, had a very similar only one sock encounter which we talked about (laughs) last podcast about a friend of ours uh being 
<laughs> questioned by a commuter who was like, what are you knitting? Is only the one? And she's like, no, I've already done the other one. And he was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> when she first taught herself to knit, she was knitting at the theatre and an older lady behind her leaned over and taught her how to knit without dropping the yarn. That's lovely. Which is very, very lovely. That's a good reason to knit in public, to get some top tips. Get tips, exactly. Yeah. And actually, when me and Amy were on the train to um, Edinburgh, we were knitting away and chatting, and a, a woman walked past and was like, oh, do you happen to have a darning needle? And we were like, yes. So she borrowed a darning needle from us. What? Was she darning something? Or what was she no, doing? I think she was sort of doing some finishing of some kind. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm saying, like, a train full of knitters on that trip. Yeah, I think there was a lot expected, of yeah. mini, you know, train in bro. Mm-hmm. Train in bro, festival, exactly. And we also have um, Kilda Craft, a picture of her knitting on the go, um, holding her knitting out. And it's very exciting and pink. Yeah, very fuchsia pink. Mm-hmm. Knitting with walking, I think, is a thing I need to try. I'm not, I don't think I'm brave enough. I see somebody doing that on my way to work quite oh, yeah. often. There's a particular lady who is always knitting socks as she's walking along. That's pretty cool. I think that is really cool. I think I would do it if I... I don't know. I, try, I used to try reading as I walked. It didn't go very well. Mm. Uh, yeah. I suppose um, I don't have to look at my hands while I'm knitting, depending what it is. Maybe we should give it a go. We're we can do some tests and trials. Next, next podcast is like, so I broke my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the lamppost. Uh, but hey, that's cool. Props to you. <laughs> yeah, props to you. And we've also got... Um, I'm assuming this is an acronym and it's IWS. Not um, IWS. Or could be IWS. Who, there's also a picture of um, of this nice lady knitting on a boat. Um, in which, Whitby. In I love Whitby. Whitby. Oh, so nice. And, uh, and uh, kind of, I think this story might be a well-known and well-sympathised with one where you drop your yarn um, maybe on a bus or just some other public location yeah. and the yarn rolls under your chair and about the legs of chairs and people and you have to enlist the help of mostly people not so much to the chairs the chairs can't really help you um the chairs can't help you now <laughs> it's too late um you have to enlist help in order to um regain full control mm. so that happened to her but she looks like she's a, a very pro uh public knitter I, i'd say you know, so. knitting on the go yeah mm-hmm. knitting on a boat i mean that's great I'm on a boat. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks everyone for sending us all your stories. And so lastly, on to the... Well, this this particular segment has, has lasted, hasn't it? Yeah. The top three. That's because you can make infinite lists. Well, we keep going back to like, oh, let's make a top three about this type of food and this. Last podcast, we were doing places to knit. Mm-hmm. Even then we were like, oh, and then you have snacks and blah, blah, <laughs> It's a bit of a theme. Yeah, we keep... Um, we can basically we can only think of food related uh, top threes most of the time like 95% of the things we think of to list and rank are foods so we would be um, we always want to hear your suggestions for possible top mm-hmm. threes and of course you can suggest food related ones yeah of course we would be say no. <laughs> super interested to hear any non-food related top threes that you would be um, well interested in knowing what our top threes are on and then we can you know debate the hot topics on Ravelry Yes, yes, exactly. It's, it's all, all about, about participation. Yeah, and, and hot topics. Hot topic. <laughs> I'm like, is a hot topic a delicious snack? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, a melted, you know, you get topic bars, oh, yeah. like the, the chocolate No bar, one likes those. But no one likes topics. <laughs> anyway, we're, anyway, we're, we're veering anyway. dangerously oh, into our top three. So better not talk about food too much. <laughs> okay, so what our actual top three is for this um, podcast, which we bring to you on the cusp of spring, is our top three, spring things. So what are your top three, Lydia? Okay, <clears throat> I have the following top three. At three, mm-hmm. I have Blossom. Oh, yes. Which I love. And at the moment in London, there is a lot of very beautiful Blossom. Um, I like white Blossoms. I like pink Blossoms. And Are I'm... there any other kinds? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How long is this list going to go on? <laughs> I like tree Blossoms. Mm-hmm. They're mostly the kind, I guess, that you see. That is all. So at number two, I have... Uh, I don't know if this should even be number two. I feel like this should be... I put this at number two because I felt like if this was my favourite thing about spring, everybody would think I was an idiot um, and shallow and obsessed with snacks. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with my running order and it's mini eggs. And you were going to say that. Okay, so here's the, here's the thing, guys. Um, I love mini eggs. I love them very much. I love that they are in fun pastel colours. It's ode to mini eggs. I love that they have an exciting sugar shell which is in pastel colours and it comes with a sort of light dusting of, of icing sugar. And magic. And magic. A crack because it's so <laughs> addictive. And it's not, it's not good. 
and um, there's Cadbury's milk chocolate inside, which mm-hmm. is delicious. And you can mostly get them between Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. I feel like you probably could get them the rest of the year, but they're not like widely available. Prevalent, yeah. There's literally like stands, like a whole kind of not oh a whole God. aisle. If only that would be your dream. <sighs> I'd love it. And I have a habit of buying two bags at a time so that I can eat one bag to myself and share the other bag because I don't like to share. I'm quite a sherry person. I would generally, say. yeah. I must say, I met you the other day and I hadn't seen you in a while, and I was like, and I bought. Lydia, a packet of eggs because I'm really nice, but I didn't even suggest that we, I could have a few. I was just like, these are yours. yours. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, when me and Amy got the train to Edinburgh, she'd bought us a packet each. Nice. There we go. So we all know each other well enough. We all and know, yeah. uh, I even painted my nails to look like mini eggs at some point, and I'll try and find that picture for your viewing pleasure at some later point. And yeah, I basically love them. So let's move swiftly on to my favourite thing about spring, which is light. Yes. As it starts to get lighter. Um, both in the morning, you know, there's just more light, basically. So Where like, we are placed in the, in the planet means that it gets darker, you know, our days are shorter during the winter and they're longer in the summer. And I just like waking up in the morning and it's light. Sounds like you've been, you've been living on a rock for the winter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like to live under rocks during the winter and I live on top of rocks in the summer. <laughs> like a little lizard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone did mention to me, like, what if you could hibernate, would you? And I was like, oh man, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would love that. Oh yeah. Um, so that's my top three. What's yours? So actually three would be Blossom. <laughs> what? That's crazy. Um, but, yes. but yeah, Cherry Blossom, I think is the top oh, there. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, when I was in Paris, one of the cool things, they actually had like Blossom tree in one of the shops. There was Blossom growing up and over the roof. That's amazing. Like the ceiling of the shop even. Um, that's one thing I didn't expect. Paris has amazing flower shops. Mm. There you go. Uh, so number two, um, Easter bank holiday. <laughs> that's a good one, actually. So I'm yeah, having the time off. I think it's always a thing. Like I don't know, my family. It's always like yes, family comes together for Easter, not mm-hmm. because we're particularly religious, but just because that bank holiday vibe. Yeah. Family time. Spend family time. Yeah. yeah. And within that, number one is Easter eggs. <laughs> yeah, I have to be specific on this. Because I don't know if they do this much anymore, but you always used to get a mug with your Easter eggs. Did you yes. have this? Yes, and I had a really cool one with a bunny on it. There we go. Yeah, so I used to have a really good Smarties one, which was kind of brown and, you know, like Smarties are inside, but then it had the old Smarties drawn on the outside. And I think one of the things with Easter egg free mugs is they're always a little bit rubbish, which is, I think I kind of find that quite endearing. Because obviously yeah. it's a kind of free giveaway mug. I think that's... That's the highlight for Easter. I like it's true. I like I like it when you get the kind of the Easter egg that yeah has a fun. I like it when they have things inside. Actually, oh, that's yes. the ideal. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't happen that much, really, does it? But that is pretty exciting. I'm so jaded by the words. I know. That much, but... but I like smashing them as well. Oh smash. wait, how do you, do you smash the whole thing? No, no, no. But like, you have to smash a little bit of it to get to it, right? You can't just like grate your teeth against it. Oh um, no, is that not how you do it? <laughs> Like, I don't know. Pot, no one can squirrel. see me doing an impression of me trying to eat an Easter egg it's, I'm like by I'm grating a, it with my teeth. Next, next to a squirrel now at the moment, just <laughs> gnawing away. <laughs> um, yeah, it's all about Easter eggs, and and if possible, an Easter egg hunt. Yeah, I feel bad for now putting my family first. So family first, actually, <laughs> number one. Family dead eggs. Yeah. Well, no. Although we did a Easter egg hunt in my old flat where I lived and one of my housemates did it, which was really cool. But then we didn't find all of them. So a couple of like months later, I was like, oh, Easter egg, like <laughs> tiny little foil wrapped. Obviously, it hadn't gone yeah. weird or anything, but one of them was like behind the toilet. I was like, oh, that's, that's unpleasant. <laughs> that's not a cool place. I remember um, me and some friends of mine, when I was very little, we decided that we would make... Um, like hide Easter eggs for our parents or something and put them just somewhere where they would never find them basically like in a tin in mm. someone's room like not something you would open yeah um, and they just completely forgot about them and found them years later <laughs> oh my word were they really gross no they were fine because they're made of sugar but I don't think we ate them I think they weren't like mouldy or anything they were oh, just okay. sort of inedible they did that thing that chocolate does where it goes a bit sort of powdery oh yeah hmm. anyway anyway enjoy so s- eat your chocolates now eat your chocolates now enjoy spring and yeah I think we're kind of getting to the end of this this month's podcast we are so thanks for listening and um join in on ravelry where you can on our groups and um send us any ideas you have or suggestions anything you like to podcast at pompommag.com so yeah we definitely love to hear from you guys from ravelry and you'll see us on there as well uh thanks to yarn story for sponsoring and to clara parks and to you guys 
yeah, so we'll be back again next month. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Podcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with help from Eli Block, who created the original music for the show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Big thanks to Megan Fernandez, the co-founder and editor of Pom Pom, and to our interviewee, Clara Parks. Thanks again to A Yarn Story for sponsoring this podcast. And of course, we'd like to say a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. Send any feedback or suggestions to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to join our thread on the Pom Pom Ravelry group. <laughs>